If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, thanks for joining me today. Stories with Sapphire is an independently produced podcast. So if you like what you hear, visit patreon.com slash stories with Sapphire to learn how you can support the show and be a part of it. Hello, believers, non-believers, and everyone in between. You're listening to Stories with Sapphire. I am Sapphire Sandalo. Now get cozy and open your mind because it's story time. Welcome to the first season of my new show, where I'll be sharing the supernatural experiences that shape our world. If after the show you feel compelled to share a story or need paranormal advice, send an email to storieswithsapphire at gmail.com. Chapter 1. Bangungot Back in 2015, I was going through a pretty rough breakup. He's actually my husband now. It all worked out in the end. But at the time, I was not in a good place. I ended up spending the night at different friends' places almost every night, just so I didn't have to be home by myself with my thoughts. So after grabbing dinner with my friend Ryan one night, we went back to his apartment and watched some TV. It was time for bed, and I got cozy on his living room couch and asked him to leave the living room light on. I just, I didn't want to be in the dark that night. So he left the light on for me and went to his room, while I wasted some time on my phone for a couple more minutes. As I mindlessly thumbing past meaningless images, a text notification from an unknown number pops up. It reads, I know you don't want to hear from me, but I hope you're doing well. It was from my ex. I had erased his number from my phone so I wouldn't be tempted to text or call him, but I knew it was him. I was just about to wind down from a really fun and mind-clearing night, and here he was inserting himself back into my life. How dare he? I was pissed. But, if I'm being completely honest, also really happy. I can't remember exactly what I wrote back, but I acknowledged his text and placed my phone on the coffee table and tried to go to sleep. Sometime in the middle of the night, my eyes shot open. I was laying on my right side, facing the front door of the apartment, and I could feel someone standing a few feet from where my head was, just out of eyesight. I couldn't see them, but I could feel them. I tried to call out for Ryan, but my mouth didn't open. I tried to lift my head to see who was standing there, but my head weighed a thousand pounds. I tried to sit up, but it felt like someone was on top of me, holding me down. I just lay there, while this unknown being stood, just out of reach, 
watching me. I could feel my eyes swell up with tears. Eventually, I was able to fall back asleep. The next morning, when Ryan came into the living room, I asked him if he came into the room in the middle of the night. No, why? he asked. This is going to sound weird, but I could have sworn that someone came into the room last night, I explained. Wait, did someone break in? Ryan started to freak out and look around the apartment, but I told him he had nothing to worry about. That was my first time experiencing sleep paralysis, the phenomenon where your sleep cycle is disrupted and you become conscious while your body is in paralyzed sleep mode. And I had created the perfect recipe for this to happen to me. I was stressed and I slept with the light on. For the most part, sleep paralysis is a harmless and common occurrence. As many as 65% of people around the world experience it at least once in their lifetime. But aside from the horrifying hallucinations it may cause, there isn't any real physical danger involved. Unless you are a young Southeast Asian man. In the Philippines, there is a large and malevolent spirit called the Bangungot. It follows those who have eaten a large meal right before climbing into bed, waits until they've fallen asleep, sits on their head, and suffocates them to death. The Philippines isn't the only country with a creature that kills you in your sleep. There's La Pichadera in Brazil, Fiam in Thailand, and many more. And there's a reason why this type of story is so popular. Because young people, most likely men of Southeast Asian descent, have been dying of sudden unexplained nocturnal death syndrome, also referred to as bangungot, which is also the Tagalog word for nightmare. In the 1950s, the foundation for bangungot research was founded by a man whose son had died of this condition. And while the exact cause of bangungot is still unknown, doctors speculate that eating a large meal right before bed can possibly trigger it, or an undetected heart spasm can be set off by a nightmare. I've been fortunate enough to have never experienced sleep paralysis again, mainly because I now know some of the ways in which I can avoid it. But as you'll learn in the next chapter, Sleep paralysis is capable of being much more intense. Maybe our dreams physically affect us more than we'd like to think. Chapter 2. My sleep paralysis demon turned itself into my boyfriend. The 21-year-old author of our next story has been enduring episodes of sleep paralysis nonstop for three years. This is a true story submitted by Reddit username Anxious and Dreamy. Last night was the worst sleep paralysis episode I've ever had. At one point over the last three years, I was getting it every night and as a result, I would purposely stay up in order to not go through it again, which resulted in me being diagnosed with insomnia. I've gone three days without sleep, all because I've been too scared to go through it again. Last night before I went to bed, something felt strange 
and off. I believe in the paranormal, and I've had crazy amounts of experiences all throughout my life, so as I was going to bed, I told myself I wouldn't be surprised if I went through an episode that night. Now, since I go through this way too many times, I sleep with a strong flashlight, some type of noise in the background, and I never sleep on my back. As I started drifting into sleep, I had a strange and eerie dream. I was in my room, but I could see people I knew sitting at the foot of my bed, just staring at me. There was someone from high school that also just sat there, but instead of staring, they were taking pictures of me sleeping. I was sleeping on my side, and I started hearing a really loud buzz and a clock ticking really loudly, which terrified me because I don't have a clock in my room or anything that buzzes. I opened my eyes for just a second and realized something was off. I was stuck, and I started to panic, because usually I can try to move a finger or two to help with waking up, but this time, I couldn't move at all. I was frozen. I shut my eyes as quick as I could, and a few seconds later, the ticking clock started getting louder. I heard someone screaming in the distance, and suddenly, I felt something lay down next to me. I teared up. What's happening? Why does this feel so real? Why can't I move a finger, a toe, anything? But most importantly, who is laying next to me? I tried calling out for my mom, but of course nothing came out. I don't even live with my mom, but I wanted to feel some sense of security. Usually when I attempt to call for someone, I can get a small peep out of me, but this time... I was completely stuck. Suddenly, whatever was laying next to me started caressing my hair, and I could feel its hand going down my face to my collarbones. This was different than the other times. My sleep paralysis episodes had always been the same. It's always just a silhouette that enters my room and gets closer and closer to me each time, but I can never see its face. The last time this happened, it was standing right in front of me next to my bed, with its hands reaching at me, until I frantically managed to wake up. After it was done stroking my hair and face, it put its arms around me as if it were trying to cuddle me and make me the little spoon. I tried getting out of its arms, but I couldn't, and when I heard it chuckle, <laughs> I froze. Mario? Mario is my boyfriend's name, and when it chuckled, it sounded exactly like him. Mario? What are you doing? I'm trying to hold you. What are you doing? Why do you keep moving? Don't you want me to hold you? You love when I hold you. It wouldn't let me go. I was frozen. I was scared. Never has it spoken. Never has it touched me. I kept trying to shake and get out of its arms, and it pulled me on top of him. My back was on its stomach, and I could feel Mario's beard on the side of my face. It's me, I swear. It pulled my hand and made me touch its hair. Mario has really curly hair, and he styles it in such a specific way. I knew right away as I felt it that, yeah, it was his hair. Mario, please, you're hurting me. No, I'm not. Stop. Why are you being such a baby? The thing set me back down on my side and I opened my eyes just a bit and swallowed a shriek 
when I saw my little brother standing next to me by my bed. He didn't say anything, just stared. At this point, I was bawling, and my brother and I are super close, so I would never dream of doing this for real. But I managed to find some strength, and I shoved my hand at my brother to grab his shirt and push him back as hard as I could. I didn't have a plan. I could feel the tears rolling down the side of my face as my brother got up and mumbled, Leslie, why are you being so mean? After a few seconds of trying to grab him and push him back again, he started to disappear into thin air, and I could feel the arms letting go of me. I was no longer being held aggressively. Before Mario left, he whispered into my ear, What are you going to do now? Cry about it? Who's going to believe you? I felt even more tears go down my face as I've heard those exact words before when I was younger and went through a traumatic experience. All of a sudden, everything stopped. I laid there on my side. I was crying. I could feel how drenched my pillow was from my tears. It was 3.30 a.m. I turned on the room light, took a sleeping pill, and waited until 4 a.m. to fall back asleep. The next morning, I called my dad and told him about what happened to me the night before. That's weird, he said. I woke up at 3.30 last night, too. I felt someone was staring at me, and when I turned on the lamp, I saw you, standing at the foot of my bed, just smiling at me. I thought you came home and wanted to say goodnight or something, but you just never said anything. Never has the silhouette done something like this. I never thought it would go that far. But this thing created itself into two of the people that meant the most in my life to me. Part of me doesn't think it was the silhouette. Part of me thinks it was a demon, disguising itself into people I loved dearly. I don't know. I'm scared. And I'm probably not going to sleep again tonight. Seeing a silhouette every night is one thing, and can be explained away, but to have it physically interact with you and impersonate those close to you, it had to be more than a dream, right? Chapter 3. The Shared Dream But with my mom's, the one that I shared with her was like, so significant that, like, as soon as I woke up, I, like, felt the need to, like, text her and be like, hey, like, this right. happened and I don't know what it means. Like, I don't know. I just felt like texting you about it. Yeah. This is Genesis. In the fall of 2017, she had an extremely vivid dream. Like, I just remember feeling very, like, closed off. She then and proceeded then... to walk up to this house with large windows in the woods. The full moon was shining brightly in the night sky. Then she sees her mom and her two sisters, all wearing long white nightgowns. Her sisters are both older than her, but in the stream, they looked like they did when they were little girls. Her mother also appeared about 20 years younger. But Genesis was her real age. You know how you're like kind of self-aware sometimes in dreams? And I felt like I was like my age at that time. She saw her mother and sisters walking towards the house, and Genesis was trying to call out to them. You guys shouldn't go in there. Like, what are you guys doing? But they couldn't hear me. So they enter the house, and Genesis follows them. 
Her mother and sister are all floating through the house and up the stairs. Genesis keeps trying to convince them to leave. I felt like this urgency, like I needed to like say, like, I don't know what it was. I was just like, I need you guys to like come back to me. Her sisters then began to play fight with each other and they floated back down towards the first floor. They came upon a door to a basement and they went inside. So Genesis and her mother followed. In the basement, they found a giant python with horns. Have you ever seen like those tattoos where they have like the snake like pieced up in like different parts? That's how it was, but it was like all slithering like in one movement. And it was like a part of like the floor, like the floor was like stone and gravelly and it was like moving like across it. Genesis continued to call out to her family, trying to get them to get out of the basement. Then, some unseen force pulled them towards the snake. That's when Genesis opened the window, yes, there's a window in this basement, and pushed all of them out, where they floated away to safety. But when she turned around, the python was coming towards her. She held her hand out, and then a giant lion with wings appeared. And it, like, lit up, like, the whole landscape like of my dream like everything just like lit up the winged lion destroyed the snake it felt like it was like a guardian of some sort or something like that and then like that was it on its own this is just a vivid dream filled with very strong symbolism but it felt significant to genesis she decided to text her mom about what happened she like texted me like almost immediately and she was like Whoa, like I had that same dream where like I had... And she proceeded to describe everything exactly as Genesis had dreamed. And in her dream, her sisters were also younger than they currently were, and Genesis was a toddler. Her mother also recalled that she could never directly see Genesis. She only knew that she was there out of the corner of her eye, and she couldn't hear anything that she was saying to them. I was like, this is so crazy. (laughs) I also spoke with Genesis's mom, Grace, to get her thoughts on this experience. The following week, I was supposed to go and see this lady. She's known for um, blessing others, and people go to her. It's, uh, it's like a prayer group. And her, my friend, who is her niece, had suggested to me, oh, why don't you bring it up to my aunt's um, attention as to what does that dream mean? And I said, okay. And then that week when I was supposed to see her, my daughter calls me and tells me she had a dream. In that dream, I was like walking in down a street and I saw grandma. It was a street. It had a parade. Like there was floats and stuff. It was like by a beach. Like everything was like light in that dream. And then I saw grandma like waving me in. She was like, hey, like come here. Like I haven't seen you in a while. And I was like, oh, okay. And I was like, sure, grandma. And then I went in. And when I went into the house, there was like Lola Boyai. And then, then there was a man that I had never really seen before. And I figured it was her husband that I have never met before. And so I was like, wow, like I don't remember seeing. Maybe I saw pictures of him when I was like little. So like I could have, you know, just dreamt it like that. But like he was there, he was sitting, he was just like eating soup. He was just like watching and like said hi and stuff. And I was just like... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. She made like some bow and stuff. It was really nice. She was like cooking me food and stuff, and she was like, "Oh, I just want to make sure that you're okay." Like I was 
hoping that like you know we could talk a little like I just miss you a lot and like she gave me a big hug and I remember just feeling like super warm and then I woke up from that dream I was like glowing like I felt like oh it was like really nice like you know so I told my mom about it and then she was like oh like I went to go see like the healer so when I went to see the lady uh, for the prayer group I mentioned to her before she did her blessings about my dream and then she was looking at me and asked me is your mom still alive and I said yes and she goes is your grandmother still alive and I said no and I said why and she said because I see a lady with white hair standing behind you and I'm like oh okay and she said okay well well I'll let you know more after we've done the blessings so when it was time for her to bless me after the blessing she told me it was my grandmother and that she was the one that was trying to reach us through our dreams and it was because she was worried and concerned about my daughter who is studying in another state back east and then um, I remember when I came home I was looking through the pictures and I came across a picture of my grandmother and then holding my daughter and my other daughters and yes they were at that same age that we saw in our dream my daughter and I so I I figured that was my grandmother's last recollection of us and so that's how they appeared in the dream because that was her memory of how old the, my daughters were at the time when we were visiting her before she passed away. There are countless cases of people having shared dreams. It's common with twins and close family relatives, and there's even been instances where total strangers recognize each other on the street because they saw them in their dream. But this is not something that can be measured or tested scientifically, only shared anecdotally, so there isn't a lot of research as to why or how this happens. Dreams are endlessly fascinating, They are capable of being more than just our unconscious minds playing out images in our heads. They can be messages. Sometimes they're messages from ourselves. And other times, they're messages from those who are still looking after us long after they've left this plane. Those things just happen like one right after the other. So that was that dream and then the dream that my mom and I had together. And like during that time, I was like super depressed, like during like law school because um, it was crazy. And so like it was just, I don't know, like it was very like poignant for me. Like the feelings it conjured was like super deep. And so like when I was just like talking to my mom about it, it was like really therapeutic. But like I just, I never understood like why like that happened or like how that could happen, you know? But it just felt like almost like natural. I guess like I don't know like I never felt scared but like oh my god like I can't believe that happened or whatever like oh no like she's gonna haunt me or something like it was just like it just seemed like oh yeah like they're just checking in on each other so next time you dream pay attention someone might be trying to reach you to see how you're doing
Before I became a podcaster and paranormal investigator, I used to be a full-time animator and character designer, and podcasts kept me company while I drew, especially paranormal podcasts. One of my favorites was Jim Harold's Campfire. I would actually be shocked if you hadn't heard of it because it's one of the OGs. In fact, it recently celebrated its 13th anniversary. But if you haven't heard of it, it's a call-in show where ordinary people share their extraordinary stories with Jim every week. The story topics range from ghosts, UFOs, cryptids, and stories that can't be categorized. You're listening to my show right now, so I know that you love non-fictional paranormal stories. Stories involving the serial killer Ted Bundy, or a man who owned a haunted hotel. And also heartwarming stories of deceased loved ones coming back to say hello. Jim Harold's Campfire was a huge inspiration for me. So do me a personal favor and tune in to Jim Harold's Campfire on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to Stories with Sapphire. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Chapter 4. Dreams Within Dreams I keep having dreams within dreams, within dreams within dreams. It goes on and on. There are times when it seems like this dream will never end. More often than not, I will wake up, caught up in my thoughts, is this real or am I stuck again? When it happens, I wake up in my room, climb out of bed, and then boom, I'm back under the sheets and the cycle repeats. But every time it replays, I make it further into the day just to get sucked back into bed. It's exhausting. But I've gotten better at knowing whether or not I'm in a dream. See, in my dreams, something always goes terribly wrong. And right as the pain in my chest has been brewing too long, I'm pulled right back into bed. So that's how I know that this is a dream. And soon, I'll be whisked away to safety. So until then, I'll be waiting to wake up. Chapter 5 He was watching me sleep. We are the most vulnerable when we are asleep, and that's what makes this next true story, submitted by Brandy in Washington, so uncomfortable. I lived in an old shack-type house on one half acre. It had three bedrooms and one bathroom. I had quite a few friends from all walks of life. I wasn't working at the time, and they knew my door was always open just to say hi, stay for coffee, or play a few card games. It almost felt like my home was a hub for everyone to just leave your problems on the doorstep and relax for a moment. We even had a projector and would display movies some nights on the wall of this two-story building next door. It was a fun time. Well, I never discriminated. If you were hungry or tired or needed a shower, my home welcomed you. Be kind to me, and I would be kind to you, sort of thing. 
We even got raided a few times, thinking we were selling drugs because of all the activities going on, but they were sadly mistaken. One day, a friend showed up, accompanied by this guy with very kind eyes, but he seemed very sad inside. He was hungry, so I made him lunch. He was a good conversationalist, and we all laughed for hours. My friend said that he didn't know the guy that well, but he seemed nice enough. He kept complimenting me, which of course made me uncomfortable, so I asked him to stop. He came back a few more times with his friend, and once by himself. Well, time went on, and he just stopped coming over altogether. I didn't think anything of this. People move on. After a while of living there, things started to feel strange in my home. Even when I was alone, it didn't feel like I was alone. Things were being moved. A few dishes were not where they were supposed to be in the cabinet. My bathroom mat was wet when I hadn't even showered. I made sure every time I left, I locked things up, and I had the only key. My friends definitely thought I was losing it. It was close to Christmas, so we put up a tree, and everyone had a chance to put something on it when they came over. It was delightful, but soon after, the feelings of concern all flooded back when the candy canes started to disappear and the ornaments were rearranged every other day. What the hell was going on? A few days later, we had a small get-together, just some close friends from out of town. We all got a little tipsy, so I told them they could sleep over. My friend Tom and his girlfriend in the other bedrooms, and his sister on the couch in the living room. The next morning, I was up first. I went to make coffee, and I asked Tom's sister if she slept well. No, not at all, that jerk, she said. I laughed because I thought she was making a joke. She was alone in the room. Who could she be mad at? She said her brother Tom was snoring all night. Just then, Tom's girlfriend came out of the room saying, What are you talking about? He doesn't snore. But I, I actually heard it too. I put my hands up and said my door was shut and that I didn't hear anything. Later, we were all eating breakfast and Tom's sister asked him how he could eat so much with everything he ate while everyone was sleeping. We all looked at each other like she was crazy. Sis, I didn't get out of bed last night, Tom said. She argued that somebody went to the kitchen and got food, then went out back, came back in and stood in front of the couch, sucking on a candy cane before going back to bed. Tom and his girlfriend insisted that it was not him. I was pretty freaked out at that point myself. Was my house haunted? Well, word got out that Tom was in town, so it wasn't long before some friends came over to visit. They were only there for about 30 minutes when Tom asked us all to go outside and check out something in his car. I was in the middle of something, but he put my arm in his hand, looked me straight in the eyes, and said, You, you have, have to, to see, see too, while leading me out the door. Once we all got outside, Tom turned to all of us and told us not to go in and two of his friends grabbed sticks and went back into my home with him. I heard yelling and a crash. I ran to my door, but Tom's girlfriend stopped me. Soon after, they came out dragging a strange man with them. It was that guy with the kind eyes. I didn't understand what was happening. Tom said he put two and two together with all the things I told him was going on. 
And when he was standing by the bedroom door near the living room, he smelled urine. So he went around back and looked through the slats in the bedroom window and saw that man under my boxes hiding. He must have been eluding me for two weeks. The sheriffs were called and they told Tom that they had been looking for that guy for other crimes. To think that guy was just feet from me, eating my food, probably watching me sleep, and God knows what he was doing when I wasn't home. What were his plans? Why was he there? After that day, I changed the locks and got a dog. If you're listening to this, thank you, Tom. You'd be surprised how common it is to hear stories of people secretly living in other people's homes. If you want some real-life examples, first, inspect the crawl spaces of your home, and then visit the show website for links. Now it's time to respond to your messages. Any advice that I offer is purely my opinion and meant for entertainment purposes. Hi, Sapphire. All my life, I have seen ghosts and even interacted with them. I have had this all my life, as well as my whole family, sisters, titas, titos, lolos, and lolas, everyone. We all see shadows and ghosts and feel them. I have had stuff moved. My uncle got scratched. They used to grab my hands above my head at night. The cool thing was, in that state, I learned to fight back and free myself. Long story short, I have PTSD from the military. At night, I would dream of fighting, but at the same time, my body would be fighting in real life, kicking and punching. So my psychiatrist put me on Seroquel Ketiapine so I could sleep at night. Ever since I started taking the pills, I stopped seeing and feeling the ghosts. I kind of miss them. Were they always just a hallucination? Or are the chemicals from the pills blocking me from seeing them anymore? Just wanted to reach out to an expert. Thanks. Anonymous. Thanks for sending your question in. So my initial reaction is that if the pills are causing you to no longer see or feel them, then there's a chance they may have been hallucinations this entire time. There's a lot of articles about studies attempting to disprove the existence of spirits and the haunting that you described where you see shadows and you feel them near. It reminds me of this one study. It was done in Switzerland. So when the left temporoparietal junction. I don't know if I said that right, but it's TPJ is the abbreviation. Um, so when that is stimulated in the brain, it makes us feel and see people near us because that part of the brain is what gives us our sense of self. And when it's interrupted, we feel like there are multiple selves. So maybe that's what was happening. And when you started taking these pills, it stopped those interruptions. But what I can't explain is why the rest of your family also sees and experiences the same things as well. But I'm sorry that you miss the ghosts, and I hope that you take care of yourself. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review to show your support. What are your thoughts on how dreams affect reality? Let me know at storieswithsapphire at gmail.com. Salamat and good night. 
Stories with Sapphire is created and produced by me, Sapphire Sindalo. My Sleep Paralysis Demon Turned Itself Into My Boyfriend was written by Reddit username Anxious and Dreamy. He Was Watching Me Sleep was written by Reddit username Crazy Turtle Mama. All other stories and music written by Sapphire Sandalo. For more information on this episode, visit storieswithsapphire.com. <laughs>